Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again for the opportunity to come and gather with your saints to be reminded of your blessings to us. To be reminded that you in your love sent forth your son into the world that we might be redeemed, that he might live, that he might die, that he would be raised again in victory and glory and honor, and that we by faith would be raised with him out of sin, out of shame, victorious over death. We thank you for the blessings that come by way of your spirit, even right now. That your spirit would come and open our ears and our eyes that we might see and behold Jesus. Create in us holy expectations of hearing your word, of seeing Jesus. Come now by your spirit. Fill us, empower us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Like many of you, when I was a a boy, and I was a small boy living in my mother's house, I believed in Santa Claus. Unbelievable, right? Yes, I did. I believed in Santa Claus, and I can recall as a small boy every Christmas Eve looking out the window anticipating Santa Claus flying through the sky with his reindeer. And I remember just calling out the reindeer names. You know, Donner, Dancer, and Prancer, and Vixen, Common, and Cupid. You know, all of them. <laughs> and I, 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 remember, I remember distinctly, I mean, like it was yesterday, just... Wondering, you know, can I stay up? Can I stay up this time so that I will be able to see him as he brings the presents down the chimney, which we didn't have? I was going to see him and, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I never saw him. (laughs) I never saw, I always went to sleep and I never got a chance to see him. I don't know where I got that from. Maybe it was from a cartoon. Maybe it was from a little song. Better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. I don't know where I got that notion that Santa Claus was coming to my house, but I really believed that he was coming. This morning, as we look At our text in Luke chapter 2, we see that Simeon didn't believe in Santa Claus. But Simeon believed in God. And Simeon wasn't looking for Santa to come. Simeon was looking for a savior. He expected the savior to come. And this morning, we look at the life of Simeon, and Simeon reminds us of the need that we would be living with these holy expectations, that our lives need be filled 
with hope and expectation. Joseph and Mary, after Jesus had been born, Joseph and Mary being faithful and, and, and honoring Jews and desiring to be faithful to the requirements of the law that God had laid down in the Old Testament had not gone up to the temple for quite some time. They had not gone up to the temple because according to the Mosaic law, a woman, after she had given birth to a child, was ceremonially unclean. And therefore, she had to wait some 40 days before she could go up to the temple and offer herself for purification. And you see this in Leviticus chapter 12, beginning in verse 2. And after these 40 days, the Bible says that she was to go up to the priest and she was to offer to the priest a sacrifice. But not only did the law require that the woman come up and get purified, the the law also required that they would bring their firstborn son. If you had a firstborn son, you were to bring that firstborn to the Lord and offer him in dedication in service to God. And you see this over and over again in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2 and, and verse 12 and again in verse 16. In Exodus 34 and verse 19 and in Numbers chapter 18 and verse 15 and 16. And the woman for her purification, in order to bring the offering, what she was supposed to do, according to Leviticus, chapter 12, is that she was to bring a lamb, a spotless lamb. However, lamb was not cheap. Lamb was not cheap in those days, and therefore, God in his grace made a provision, saying, if you cannot afford a lamb, then you were to bring an offering of two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear. No, just two, two turtle doves <laughs> or two pigeons. Mary and Joseph come to the temple. They don't bring a lamb. They bring two turtle doves. Because, beloved, Joseph and Mary were not people of means. And thus, Jesus, we see again here, was not born into the lap of luxury, but instead, He was born in the lap of humble means that his earthly guardians were not people of wealth. They come to the temple with the offering of the humble turtle doves. And though they were not of means, though they were of humble living, though they were of the lower level of living, they still come. They still come because though they are of lower living, they are faithful. They are desiring to honor God. They are obedient. 
That should remind us this morning, doesn't it? That it is not the nature of your resources that God is requiring, but what God is requiring is faithfulness. And contrary to what you might have heard, or contrary to what you might think, and it doesn't take a lot to serve God. All it, all it takes to serve God is what you have. I'm often amazed that people will say things like, man, if I had more, I would give more. And the question is not how much you have or if you have enough. The question is, what are you currently giving? Are you currently giving of that which God has given you, no matter how much or how little it is? God makes provision within his service for those who have much, for those who have little. We all need be giving. We all need to be coming to God with what he has given us and find an acceptable offering with what we have. So they follow the commands of God and they present Jesus at the temple. But this was not so that Jesus might be cleansed, beloved, because we know that Jesus was holy. This was not so that Jesus might be cleansed, for he was already cleansed. But like other children born into sin, Jesus comes even as a child, fulfilling the law of God, not because he needed it, but because We needed it. Even as a baby, even as his mother and father, earthly father, are bringing him to the temple, they are doing this not so much because Jesus and them need it. They do it because we needed it. Because at every step of the way, it is necessary for Christ to be fulfilling the righteous requirements of God's holy demand. Because you have not been totally obedient, because your parents were not totally obedient in raising you, here we have Christ once again standing in for us, fulfilling the law, fulfilling God's righteous requirements. Christ coming to the temple was not only the fulfilling of the commands of God, but also for the confirmation of God's promises. You see that because Christ coming to the temple had a greater purpose than just Joseph and Mary offering a sacrifice. Christ coming to the temple ultimately was for the purpose of God offering the Savior. The sacrifice is important, but the sacrifice isn't the most important thing that's going on that day in the temple. The most important thing that is going on is that God is here now offering the Savior. 
For in the temple there was a man whose name was Simeon. And the Bible says that he was a righteous man. The Bible says that he was a devout man. That he was a man in good standing with God. That he was a faithful man. That he was a man on whom the spirit of God rested. He was a man expecting to see the Messiah. He was a man expecting to see God's Savior. Of all of all those in the birth narrative of Jesus, Simeon is the only one that the Bible says was expecting Jesus to come. He was the only one looking for Jesus. This sets him out. This should cause us to want to know who this guy is. For he is the one in the birth narrative, not Mary and Joseph, not the shepherds, not the wise men, not Herod. There was one expecting Jesus to come. He was Simeon. He was living with this expectant hope. He was, as the Bible says, waiting for this consolation. He was waiting for the comfort. He was waiting for the encouragement of his people. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. He's waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for Christ to come. And comfort his people. Why? Because he understood that the promise of God from the very beginning through the prophets was that a comforter would come. In Isaiah chapter 40, God is speaking to his people through the prophet. And he says to the prophet, comfort my people. Speak comfort to my people. Comfort them. Comfort them. Let them know that their consolation is coming. That their sins will be removed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God is referred to as the God of all. Comfort. Why? Because, beloved, Christ comes to those who know they are in misery. Now there is a misery that comes into the life of the sinner and being made uh, and being made aware of their miserable state, the thing that they need most is comfort. And Christ is revealed to us in the scriptures as a comfort. And this is what he was waiting on. This is what he was longing for. And why was he longing for this? Why was he waiting on this? He was waiting on this because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. Because that's what Holy Spirit does. Not only is the Spirit told to us to be a comforter, but the Holy Spirit creates in us an expectancy that in Christ we would find our ultimate comfort. 
how do you know that you have Holy Spirit living and abiding in you? Well, one way you know is that you become less and less comfortable in the world. That the things of the world become less desirable you de- desirable to you, and this world becomes less and less your home. The Spirit creates in us an expectancy, a longing. There's a longing for something more. We know that our hearts and our minds and even our bodies are not created for this existence, but there is something more that we're longing for. So in Romans chapter 8, we are told, And this longing, that this groaning that happens is the work of the Spirit in our lives as we, like all of creation, long and groan for the full redemption that is ours. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This this is the work of the Holy Spirit in Simeon's life. Beloved, this is the work of the Holy Spirit In our lives, this longing, this expectancy, but with contentment. (laughs) There is an expectancy, but it's with a sense of contentment. And this is, this is, this is Simeon. This is the wonder of this, of this godly man. He was waiting. He was longing because it had been revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ, before he had seen Messiah, before he had seen the Savior of God's people. He was expecting to see Jesus. Now, like Simeon, all of us live with expectations. We all, all, all day long, we have expectations. And Christmas time is a particular time of expectations. Isn't that right, Ray? You go to bed on Christmas Eve with huge expectations, whether it's to see Santa Claus or whether it's to make sure that your favorite gift or the gift that you most desire, your heart's desire is under the tree. You have these huge expectations. Kids go to bed with these expectations. We all have them. We have huge expectations. We expect to, to get the job. We expect to make the grade. We expect to get the bonus. We expect to get the loan. We expect to get the ring. We expect to get the call. We expect to get the invite. What happens when our expectations are not met? For this is the reality that we mostly live with, isn't it? Often our expectations are met with delay. Delay. Delay because as we saw last time, uh, last week, rarely is God's timing our timing. And oftentimes our expectations are one thing, but God's reality is another thing. And oftentimes there is a delay. 
And because of our lack of knowledge and because of our inability to view all things and to take the big picture into account, oftentimes our delay turns into disappointment. And so from delay, we go to disappointment. When our desires are delayed, we become disappointed. When God doesn't do what we want him to do, when we want him to do it, we become disappointed and we pout. We sulk. We become disgruntled. We become irritable. We complain. Beloved, there's nothing worse than a complaining Christian. There's nothing worse than an ungrateful Christian. And you know it. You know it because we hate to see that type of attitude in our children. But somehow we think God is pleased to see it in his. There is nothing worse than a disgruntled, complaining, sulking, ungrateful Christian. Because it is never, never a good time to complain. Why? Because delay that turns to disappointment and discontentment becomes disgruntled more times than not ends in disaster. Disaster. Disaster because our disappointment becomes disaster when we set about to do what we want to do rather than wait on God. Disaster. We rush into a relationship. Disaster. We rush to grow up. Disaster. We rush to relocate. Disaster. We rush to change jobs. Disaster. We rush to buy a home. Disaster. We rush to do what we want to do and get done what we want to get done when we want to get done. And most of the time, if you're honest, tell the truth, it ends in Disaster. Not Simeon. Not Simeon. Not Simeon. For Simeon didn't allow his delay to become a disappointment. But rather, he trusted in God's word and went about doing God's work. Expecting every day would be the day that he saw Jesus. Expecting every day would be the day that he saw Jesus. Here, beloved, here is the one, the one expectation that we should have that should inform all of our lives. And it is this, the expectation of seeing Jesus. The expectation of seeing Jesus. And so for the Christian, his or her expectation is the same of Simeon's. It's to see Jesus. We should be desiring more than anything to see Christ. Every day, every day, 
Simeon got up with the great expectation that today might be the day that he would see Jesus. We are not told how long it was between the time that he was told that he would not die before seeing Jesus. But however long it was, Simeon did not become disgruntled. Simeon did not become discontented. How do we know? Because he went to the temple to do the work of the Lord. See where he was when Jesus came? He wasn't at home sulking. He wasn't at home complaining. He didn't refuse to get out of bed. He went to the temple. He went to where the people of God are. He went to where the offerings and the sacrifices to God were being made. He went to where the praises of God were being offered up. You know why he went there? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit leads you to the places where God is being praised. Holy Spirit leads you to the places where the people of God are gathered. Holy Spirit leads you to the places where you can see and hear Jesus. Beloved, all of us got expectations. Some of them are unmet this morning. Some of them are unrealistic. You may need to check them. Always temper every expectation we have in this world with the great expectation that one day you're going to see Jesus. That's worth getting up in the morning. That's worth coming to the house of God for. Because Holy Spirit tells you, go, because guess what? Just today, you just might see Jesus. You just might hear something from the Lord. You just might receive a word from God. This is Simeon. Where is he? He's in there, not sulking, not bitter, not disgruntled, not discontented on God's delay, but rather he is trusting him who had promised. And every time he went to the temple, I can imagine him saying, today is the day, today is the day. Now, why would he say that? Because, beloved, and don't miss this, because he had a word from God. God had promised. God didn't say when. God didn't say how. But God did say. And if you have a promise from God, all God has, is that you trust him. You wait on him. And you watch. Because he's coming. He is coming. And this is what Christmas is all about, beloved. Christmas carries with it this promise. 
That just as God kept his promise to send the Messiah the first time, the promise of Christmas is that God will send Messiah again. Don't miss that. He kept his promise to Simeon that Simeon, one day you will see the Lord. Guess what? He has made the same promise to you. And God is going to keep his promise. He kept it to Simeon. He's going to keep it to you. Are you anticipating the Lord coming again? That's the question for us this morning. Are you expecting to see the Savior? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. You call upon the Lord while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. There is a time, beloved, that you are to be seeking the Lord. And that time is now. Because in God's providential and sovereign plan, he has given each of us here this morning space to repent of our sins. And there is time right now, even this morning, that if you would draw near to God, God would draw near to you. If you've never repented of your sins, if you've never come by faith to Jesus Christ, if you have no other hope of expectation other than what this world has to offer, Bible tells us right now, now is the time and today is the day to receive the consolation and the comfort and the hope and the expectancy that is Jesus Christ. Do you have that hope? It's not hard to know if you have it. As the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, that everyone who has this hope, they purify themselves. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him. Like Simeon saw the Lord, the hope of every Christian is that one day they too would see the Lord. And then John goes on to say, and everyone who thus hopes in him, you know what they do? They purify themselves even as he is pure because every day they live their lives with the expectancy that Jesus could come today. 
How are you living? Are you living as if Jesus could come today? Simeon did. Everyone who has this hope of seeing Christ, that is what they do. They live as if they were going to see the Lord today. Let me be frank with you, beloved. You just may see the Lord today. There is no guarantee that anyone who leaves this building would make it to their place of destination. And today just may be the day that you see the Lord. And the question that you need to ask, answer right now is are you ready? Are you ready to see Jesus? Those who know the Lord and have trusted in Christ for their salvation, they can say like Simeon said. Notice what Simeon said. After he had seen the Lord, notice what he said. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. That's what, you, that's, what you, that's what you can do. That's how you live your life. You live your life as if you're saying, Lord, when you get up every morning, you say, Lord, if this is my last day, it's good with my soul. I can depart in peace if this is the last day I see on this earth because I am ready to see the Lord. Simeon said, now that I have seen your salvation, I'm good. I'm good. And those who have come to see the salvation of the Lord, they say also, I'm good. Are you good this morning? Are you good in right relationship with God? You know, for Simeon, he saw Christ, and that was enough because Christ is enough. Christ is enough. You know, I was imagining that um, I don't know how many people Simeon told that he wasn't going to die until he saw the Lord. I don't know how many people even believed him. <laughs> if you told me that, you had, I'd, I'd, I'd nod my head, sure. That's good. <laughs> Praise God. I don't know how many people he told. I don't know how many people but he believed, who believed him. But I can imagine that somebody... Somewhere would go up to him and say, Simeon, why are you going to the temple today? You go to the temple all the time. Why are you going today? And Simeon would reply, because I want to see the Christ. I want to see the Christ. And they, and they might reply to him and say, well, is he going to be there today? 
me just take a day off. Is he going to be there today? Simeon might reply, I don't know. But I want to be there when he does. I don't know if he's going to come today, but I know that God has promised that he is going to come and I want to be ready when he comes. You ask me when the Lord is coming and I'm just going to, I don't know. Is he coming today? I don't know. I pray to be ready when he comes. I pray to have my hands to the plow when he comes. I pray that when he comes, he finds me faithful when he comes. I pray that when he comes, he finds me where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing when he comes. This is Simeon. The question is, are we ready? Are you ready to see Jesus? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready for him to come to you? Or are you ready to have to go to him? One of those two realities are for sure in the life of every person in here. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Now is the acceptable time, and today is the day of salvation. Will you get ready? All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. All you have to do It's confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ and that he died and he rose again for the forgiveness of your sin. And you can be ready. All you have to do, even right now, is to humbly bow. And by his spirit, he'll get you ready. Let us pray. Father, if there's anyone here this morning, you know, Lord, who is not ready. I do pray that by your spirit, you would convict their hearts, Lord. Create in them faith. Grant unto them repentance. Pray now that they would call upon your name and that they would be saved. Bring salvation in this place by your spirit, Lord. Break hearts. Oh, I pray that everyone here, Lord, is ready to see Jesus. Whether he would come to us or we would go to him, I pray that everyone here, Lord, is ready to see Jesus. If not, Lord, I pray that you would change them 
even now. Thank you, Lord. We know that you are able to do this and more. We pray that you would be willing to magnify yourself in the hearts of all those gathered here. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.